What good are podcast ratings and reviews? I have seven things you should know. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 263. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I think podcasters often ask for ratings and reviews, and I even created a whole web service and business around podcast reviews. It's called mypodcastreviews.com, and I will be referring to mypodcastreviews.com a lot in this session because there are a lot of helpful tools over there as well as a special email series that's completely free that will teach you seven ways to get more podcast reviews. So if you want that, go to mypodcastreviews.com or click on the link in the show notes for this episode number 263 at com slash ratings and reviews. So as much as we love getting ratings and reviews for our podcast, do they actually matter? You'll hear a lot of people who will tell you, oh, you must get ratings and reviews for your podcast, especially when you first launch your podcast so you can get the mythical unicorn magic of iTunes new and noteworthy. While there may, and I do have to emphasize, may be some benefit to getting in new and noteworthy and your reviews may help you with that. There are some much more important reasons you should care about your podcast ratings and reviews and whether they even help you. And I do believe your ratings and reviews do help your podcast's growth and its success. So I have seven ways that ratings and reviews are important for your podcast. And you can follow along in the show notes for episode 263 at slash ratings and reviews. Number one, Podcast ratings and reviews are not for iTunes rankings. There are a lot of myths and misconceptions about how iTunes rankings work and even what the iTunes rankings are to begin with. And one of the biggest misconceptions is on the power of ratings and reviews. You'll hear a lot of podcasting marketeers really pressure you to get podcast reviews during your launch and throughout your podcast. And they'll say things like, help us climb the charts. They'll either say it outright or they'll imply that your ratings and reviews help your podcast climb the charts in iTunes and help your podcast to rank better in iTunes. But that's not true. There are two really important things about this you need to know. First is that iTunes new and noteworthy, which is for many people, an obsession, really. Don't worry about new and noteworthy, please. Just focus on creating great content But iTunes New and Noteworthy is not a ranking system. I did a blog post recently at theaudacitypodcast.com, and I have a link to it in the show notes for this episode. And in that post, I dispelled this idea that there is a number one in iTunes New and Noteworthy. There is no number one. New and Noteworthy isn't even a ranking system because being higher does not indicate anything. There are, quote, higher, unquote, podcasts in iTunes New and Noteworthy that are less new and less noteworthy than podcasts that are lower 
than that podcast. It's not a ranking system at all. There is no number one. Yes, it can help you with extra exposure. So don't think that as much as I and several other podcast consultants do come across negative sometimes toward iTunes new and noteworthy, there is a real benefit to it. Yes, it does mean your podcast does get in front of an audience it might not have gotten in front of before. The sin is when you obsess over new and noteworthy and you feel like you're a failure because you didn't make it into new and noteworthy. New and noteworthy does not make or break the success of your podcast. You do. So I really encourage you, don't obsess over new and noteworthy. But this is the first thing that you need to know when it comes to your ratings and reviews is that it doesn't affect your ranking because there is really no ranking inside of new and noteworthy. And also most of the podcasts that are featured on the front page of any of the categories in iTunes and in the new and noteworthy section are handpicked by the iTunes podcast team. You'll often see podcasts in there with few or maybe even no ratings and reviews for the podcast. But the Apple iTunes podcast team saw something noteworthy about that new podcast or noteworthy about an old podcast that could be years old, but there's something noteworthy about it that makes it worth featuring in that section. There are some things you can do to catch iTunes attention a bit more, and that goes back to getting subscriptions and downloads and plays of your podcast more than ratings and reviews, but your ratings and reviews may contribute to that. But stop thinking that new and noteworthy is a ranking system. It's not. The second thing that you need to know is that the true rankings in iTunes, those are the top podcast sections that you can see in every category and on the front page of the iTunes podcast catalog. Those are lists of podcasts that are truly ranked. They have number one, number two, number three, and so on, all the way down to number 200. And there's an overall, and that's what you see on the front page. And then there are rankings for each individual category. Those rankings are not based on your ratings and reviews. Rob Walsh, host of Podcast 411, the feed and VP of Podcaster Relations at Libsyn, has debunked this idea before that you have to get a lot of ratings and reviews to be ranked well in iTunes. No, what you need is subscriptions. And in fact, he has this scientific formula that he's talked about before on an episode of Podcasters Roundtable, and I'll link to that in the show notes for this podcast. But he has mentioned that it's essentially that your ranking, where you appear in this listing, as well as your search engine results, are based primarily on your lifetime subscriptions with a weighted average on the most recent days. Thus, if you want to rank really well for a short period of time, you must get a lot of new subscribers within a short period of time. Somewhere around 200 subscribers is all you need to make it into that top list of podcasts in a particular category. But that'll keep you there for a short time because it's weighted more toward those podcasts that receive a lot of subscriptions in the most recent days. But to maintain that position inside of the iTunes rankings, then you need to get a large number of subscriptions over the lifetime of your podcast, your total subscriptions. So as time passes on, that's when more emphasis is placed on the total lifetime subscriptions. So for example, you might become number one in a category literally overnight because you got 400 new subscriptions to your podcast. That's great. Next week, 
you still have your 400 total lifetime subscriptions. So you get bumped down by the podcasts that have 4,000 or 40,000 total lifetime subscriptions. The same thing applies to search engine results that are ranked not only based on the relevance of the term and whether your podcast even shows up for a particular term, but are also ordered by the number of total lifetime subscriptions, not by the number of ratings and reviews. However, there is often a correlation between the ratings and reviews and subscriptions. Podcasts that have a lot of ratings and reviews probably have a lot of subscribers and vice versa. Podcasts with a lot of subscribers probably have a lot of ratings and reviews. It's not always the case, but it often is. There are those exceptions, but it is the subscriptions that matter most in the true iTunes ranking. But even then, please don't obsess over your ranking. Obsess over making and presenting great content and connecting personally with your audience. That's what you should obsess over in your podcast. So do ratings and reviews help you at all? Well, they don't seem to have anything to do with your podcast's true ranking. And after all, when would someone review a podcast without also subscribing to or downloading an episode of that podcast, unless it's one of those really shady review exchanges that you see all over the place in podcasting groups. Just like the best sellers list in newspapers, magazines, and websites and such, doesn't it make more sense for rankings to be based on actual consumption and not merely reviews? Don't you want to know what the most popular podcast is because it is truly the most popular, the most people listen to that podcast? Not simply because this podcast has the most reviews, but it's really not that popular. So yes, ratings and reviews may help Apple notice your podcast a little bit more, but it's more likely that when you get a lot of podcast ratings and reviews that Apple probably cross compares that with your actual audience growth, your subscriptions, your plays, and your downloads of your podcast through the iTunes ecosystem. That would be iTunes on the desktop, podcast app on mobile, podcast app on Apple TV, and any of the other future podcast apps that Apple may create. So now that you know what ratings and reviews are not, I'll tell you what they are. But this is the number one thing you need to know Podcast ratings and reviews are not for iTunes rankings. Number two, podcast ratings and reviews are social proof. While ratings and reviews don't help your podcast rank better, it is possible for them to contribute to your podcast success by boosting your, quote, social proof, unquote. Social proof is a psychological effect that can influence decisions. Think of it this way. If you see two restaurants side by side, maybe they're even serving similar food, but one restaurant is so crowded that there's a long line wrapping around the restaurant, maybe multiple times of people waiting to get into this restaurant. And then you look at the restaurant right next to it and it's almost empty. What would be your impressions of these two restaurants? If I saw that kind of thing, I'd be thinking, what do all of these people know that I don't know? Or what is so bad about that empty restaurant and so good about that crowded restaurant? And for most people, this social proof, as we call it, of the crowd influences more positive opinions about that place with the greater amount of activity. 
And this is especially true when someone is unsure of a choice and they're trying to figure out, should I go with A or should I go with B? Often, social proof does have that psychological effect that people will conform to what they see others doing simply because they see other people doing it and more people going in a particular direction. It's that thinking that, well, if that many people like it, then it must be good or that many people couldn't be wrong about it. I'm not saying that's a good thing. Sometimes it can be a very bad thing, but it does happen and it is an actual psychological effect. The same is true for podcasts. When there are two podcasts about the same subject, the higher number and score of the ratings and reviews will highly influence that person's decision because they might see, well, this podcast has 500 five-star reviews and this one has two five-star reviews. I think I'll go with the one that has a lot more five-star reviews. There's probably something better about that podcast. I know there are plenty of flaws with that kind of thinking, but that is what happens many times for many people. Thus, the power in ratings and reviews is that you can get exponential growth with your podcast once you get that momentum going. You get enough ratings and reviews to attract someone because of your social proof, and they might choose your podcast instead of another podcast. And then those people write ratings and reviews for your podcast, which increases your number more and makes that difference between your podcast and the one next to it even greater, further amplifying the power of social proof, which could then bring in even more potential subscribers to your podcast and grow your podcast even further that way. This is number two, podcast ratings and reviews are social proof. Number three, podcast ratings and reviews are public testimonials. Look past the raw numbers of ratings and reviews that you have for a podcast or for a podcast that you're considering and read the content in those ratings. That is the actual reviews. Side note here, iTunes has ratings and reviews. You can leave a star rating without writing a review but you can't write a review without a star rating. So if you look at iTunes by default, you'll see on the left side, you'll see a number of ratings. That's not how many reviews you have. That's only how many ratings with stars that you have, but you might have far fewer reviews, but you can never have more reviews than you have ratings. These reviews are kind of like testimonials. They're great for quoting and displaying so others can read them. And this then goes beyond the basic influence of social proof and starts giving more personable influence with your podcast reputation. And that's because people relate with people. People don't relate with rankings or ratings or pure numbers like that as well as they do with actual other people. So a testimonial is basically one person telling another person why they should subscribe to your podcast. So when you receive great reviews that have nice things to say about your podcast and help tell someone else why they should subscribe to your podcast, showcase those reviews, put them on your site, send them out to your email newsletter, put them in your sponsorship pack and let your sponsors see this is what my audience thinks of the podcast. This is what other people are saying about my podcast. It's not only what I say I cover in the podcast, but look at what others think about the podcast. This could even work for promoting your business too, if your podcast and your business are closely connected. This is number three, 
podcast ratings and reviews are public testimonials. Again, you can follow along and get the links to all of these things that I'm mentioning in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash ratings and reviews. There are also several messages there that you can tweet out if something resonates in particular with you. Number four, podcast ratings and reviews allow other people to praise you. We often form bad opinions of others when we see others bragging about themselves. For example, consider if I said this of my own podcast on my website or in my iTunes description. I share my vast knowledge of podcasting freely because I truly want you to succeed. You will be impressed with everything I offer. (laughs) That sounds quite arrogant, doesn't it? But I based that on an actual review I received. So now listen to similar thoughts, but in the words of someone else. This came from Mark DeCotes, and I got this review via mypodcastreviews.com. Mark said, Daniel is a down-to-earth real guy with a love for helping people. He shares his vast knowledge of podcasting freely because he truly wants other podcasters to succeed. I was so impressed with everything that he offers that I joined his podcaster's society and I couldn't be happier with the decision. Now it sounds much better. And he's saying the same things about me, but he's the one saying it, not me. So if I quote him and I display his testimonial, for one thing, It's not me praising myself, but for another thing, it's showing this is what a real human being, someone else with an actual name, an actual podcast, an actual website, maybe even an actual photo of them next to this review, this is what they say about the podcast and about me. I like the way that King Solomon of Israel put this in Proverbs 27, 2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. It is always better to be praised by someone else instead of praised by yourself. And your podcast reviews can help you do that. You don't have to say on your website, I host the best podcast about this topic and I am amazing in the way that I deliver the content. I am extremely personable and I will change your life with this information. Do you hear all of the I in that? I will do this. I am this. I, 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 I. Instead, use what your reviewers say to praise you. And then they can say, I love this podcast because they are so valuable. Or he presents this great information. Or she is so personable. Or they present this information so clearly that it changed my life. That's a lot more powerful than you're saying it yourself. And that's number four, podcast ratings and reviews. Allow other people to praise you instead of your praising yourself. And if you're interested in getting all of your ratings and reviews, don't stop with iTunes alone. Because when you look at iTunes, you see only the ratings and reviews from your country. There are 155 different countries with iTunes, and each country could have its own collection of ratings and reviews for your podcast. So that's why I created mypodcastreviews.com so that you could very easily see all of those ratings and reviews, get them automatically delivered to you on a regular basis, and it saves you a whole lot of time so you don't have to go around between those 155 iTunes stores, not even knowing which ones have reviews. 
but it's really cool to see where you get reviews from. And here's a really cool thing. Did you realize you cannot copy and paste your podcast reviews from iTunes? So if you see one you really like for your podcast, there's no way to copy it from iTunes. You'd have to retype it, but my podcast reviews makes it really easy. So you get your podcast reviews emailed to you automatically, or you can log into the website and read them that way. And then you can copy and paste them very easily and use them on your own site. Or there are very friendly links that you can use for sharing individual reviews out on social networks. So it's a great way of thanking people while also allowing other people to praise you instead of praising yourself. Number five, podcast ratings and reviews engage your audience. You may have podcast subscribers who never send you feedback. They never buy anything from you. They never comment on stuff. And it could be because they feel like they don't have anything to add to the conversation. But writing a review for your podcast is a way that you can get them engaged. When you publicly praise something, it's a simple step that gets you a little bit more connected and even a little bit more loyal toward that thing that you're praising. And when your audience takes a simple action like rating and reviewing your podcast, they do become a little bit more invested in your podcast and will be more likely to take further actions later on when you ask them to. And those further actions could be to buy something from you, to nominate your podcast, like the podcast awards are coming back at podcastawards.com or to vote for you in a podcast because they've already taken a first step. And it's easy to get them to take additional steps after that. They already have that momentum. So getting them to write a review for your podcast could be an easy first step. It doesn't cost them anything. It doesn't cost you anything, but it can help you connect better with your engaged audience. Number six, podcast ratings and reviews highlight your strength. MyPodcastReviews.com is now tracking more than 80,000 international podcast reviews for more than 1,100 podcasters. In all of that data, we see some really cool stuff. And that is especially the percentage of five-star reviews that podcasts have. So over 80,000 reviews that we've tracked so far, 93% of those reviews have a five-star rating with them. And if you include the four-star reviews in all of that, and four-star reviews are also very positive, then that totals 96.8% positivity on the podcast. That's a lot of good reviews out there. And quality podcast reviews, and those are the ones that are from your actual audience, not just from shady review exchanges or that kind of thing where people are reviewing your podcast, but they're not actually subscribed to your podcast or they're just reviewing it simply because you ask them to or you beg them to or you bribe them to. But these quality podcast reviews will often highlight something that the subscriber thinks is particularly good about your podcast, something they really like. So this not only tells you what you're doing well, but it can also help you to know what you should do more in the future. Maybe your reviews often say things like, I really like it when they do this particular thing. Then you can know maybe you should do that particular thing more often. You don't have to act on that knowledge, but it can be confirmation that you're doing something good. Just because someone says, I like pizza, doesn't mean they want to eat pizza for every meal of every day. That can get boring after a while. But if someone says, I like pizza, then you might know, huh, 
a good gift for them sometime might be something to do with pizza. The same thing applies to your podcast. Just because someone likes something about your podcast doesn't mean that you have to then make your podcast all about that particular thing or that particular approach that they like. But it does let you know that that is something you can use again in the future and probably get positive results from it as well. This is number six, podcast ratings and reviews highlight your strengths. Number seven, podcast ratings and reviews reveal your weaknesses. Yeah, not all podcast ratings and reviews are positive. So if I look back at the data from mypodcastreviews.com, we have data on over 1,200 podcasts. And of those 1,200 podcasts, remember, 80,000 reviews, 2.1% are what we'd consider negative reviews. Those are one or two star reviews. And although someone can leave a star rating without writing a review, every review must contain a star rating. So thus, the negative reviews are usually from those who cared enough to take the time to explain why they don't like the podcast instead of simply clicking one star and leaving. They took the time to explain why it was only one star. So, yes, it might be a little painful, but you can learn a lot from the negative reviews you've received for your podcast. And I have a separate episode that I've done a while back about how to deal with negative reviews and negative feedback for your podcast. And I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash ratings and reviews. When you see these negative reviews, it's especially useful when you can recognize a pattern inside of the negativity. This doesn't mean that you have to change something, but it can certainly help you know where you need to improve or certain things you might want to avoid because they simply don't come across very well. Or it might be something you decide to ignore and recognize that this is something about the podcast that does need to be there. And it's not simply saying, oh, my mistakes make me authentic. No, it's, it's something that you've decided this is the way you're going to podcast. Like maybe you podcast very in-depth and someone is looking for surface level information. Well, that might be left in a negative comment, but that doesn't mean you have to change the approach of your podcast. So you might decide to ignore that feedback and continue on recognizing that your podcast simply isn't the ideal podcast for that person or those people who left those kinds of reviews. For example, when I filter the reviews for the Audacity podcast to only my three-star reviews and below, and by the way, you can do that cool kind of filtering and sorting of your existing podcast reviews through a premium My Podcast Reviews account. And when I do this with my own podcast in my podcast reviews, I can see a small pattern about some audio quality issues and promotion techniques from the past. And since then, I have addressed those things and changed how I do some of that stuff. And I haven't seen that kind of negativity again since then. So that helps me to know that, yes, this did need to be addressed because there was a little bit of a pattern. There aren't that many negative reviews, but there was enough of a pattern that I could recognize it as something that needed to be fixed or addressed in some way. So when a review reveals a weakness in you or in your podcast, then you can know to either fix it, avoid that certain thing, or maybe simply ignore the issue altogether, recognizing that that's not the direction you want your podcast to go. And in all of these cases, whether you're fixing something, avoiding something, or ignoring the issue altogether, 
you can still improve your show and remain authentic. This is number seven, podcast ratings and reviews reveal your weakness. Once again, these seven ways that podcast ratings and reviews are important to your podcast's growth and success are number one, podcast ratings and reviews are not for iTunes rankings. Number two, podcast ratings and reviews are social proof. Number three, podcast ratings and reviews are public testimonials. Number four, podcast ratings and reviews allow other people to praise you. Number five, podcast ratings and reviews engage your audience. Number six, podcast ratings and reviews highlight your strengths. And number seven, podcast ratings and reviews reveal your weaknesses. So you may be convinced now of the true value in podcast reviews, not simply to try and get in this mythical unicorn magic of iTunes new and noteworthy or to climb the charts or anything like that in iTunes, but you do see other value in ratings and reviews and you want more reviews. There's nothing wrong with wanting more ratings and reviews. In fact, I've got a whole email series over at mypodcastreviews.com that gives you seven ways to get more podcast reviews, but let me give you the two most important and most powerful ways to get more ratings and reviews for your podcast. Number one, make it easy for your audience. I see podcasters on Twitter or hear them in their podcasts who say, please write a review for our podcast. Okay. And how do I do that? Or sometimes what really bugs me is when they'll say, search for us in iTunes. And that's, please don't go that direction. Make a link that makes it easy for your audience. You might even consider making a special landing page that shows people how they can write a review for your podcast in iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play Music or any of the other podcast directories that support reviews. So that's the number one way to get more reviews is make it easier for your audience. The number two way is to thank your existing reviewers by name with excerpts of their reviews in your podcast. You don't even have to ask for reviews sometimes when you do this because people love hearing their names. If they hear you reading their review and mentioning their name in your podcast, they feel extra special. And for the other people who heard someone else's name and someone else's review read in your podcast, they'll often think, oh, that's really cool. I'd like my name mentioned on the podcast, and I'd like my review read on the podcast. There is a little bit more of that social proof factor that helps influence people to take more action because they get to hear what someone else said. This can especially be fun if you ask your reviewers to get creative with their reviews and write something witty, or you give them a link in your show notes, or you mention the name of their blog or podcast or whatever they're doing. That can be really encouraging to other people to also submit a review so they get that same recognition and thanks from you. There are several other tips that I include in the special free email series that's available at mypodcastreviews.com, and I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode, number 263, at com slash ratings and reviews. So what about you? Here's where I'd like to hear from you in the comments on this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash ratings and reviews. What has been the coolest review you've received? Maybe it has encouraged you the most. Maybe it has challenged you the most. Maybe it was from the most exotic country out there. 
like some country maybe that you didn't even know existed, but because you use a tool like my podcast reviews, or maybe you just check the iTunes stores manually, you saw this review and it was really cool. You had no idea you even had an audience from that country. I'd love it if you would share your favorite review or what challenged you or encouraged you about your favorite review from iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever podcasts can be reviewed. Feel free to use my podcast reviews in order to get those reviews so you can see them and easily copy them into your comment on the show notes for this episode. And consider upgrading to a premium account, especially if you host a monetized or commercial podcast. You need to have a premium account over at mypodcastreviews.com. But I'd love to see what you've gotten from your own reviews and what the coolest review is that you've received. So please share that in the comments for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 263. And thank you, by the way, for your kind reviews of the Audacity to Podcast. I really appreciate it. It does really encourage me and it's really neat to see all of the global reviews for the Audacity to Podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, and other places as well. If you haven't left a review yet for the Audacity to Podcast, please consider doing so by clicking on the appropriate link over at theaudacitytopodcast.com. Coming up, I'll be speaking at Social Media Marketing World in April and Podcast Success Summit in May and then Podcast Movement in July. If you're going to Podcast Movement, I'd love to see you there. I will be a sponsor there, sponsoring with Podcaster Society and my podcast reviews. So if you'd like to go, then use the promo code SOCIETY and you'll save $40 on your registration at Podcast Movement. Stop by the booth or find me in the hallway. I'd love to connect with you and talk more about your podcast and how you could improve your podcast and what's going well with you. Also, I was recently on a couple different podcasts. In Podcasters Roundtable, we talked about show prep. And then in the Over the Edge podcast with Josiah, we talked about turning a podcast into a business, among several other things. So I have links to these and all of this other stuff that I mentioned in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash ratings and reviews. Check out these other podcasts, share them if you enjoy listening to the other episodes, and I hope to see you at one of these upcoming events. If you're interested in having me speak at an event that you're managing, please contact me through the website at theaudacitypodcast.com. And if you have other podcasting questions, feedback, suggestions, ways that you need help with your podcast, then please contact me through the website at theaudacitypodcast.com. I'm working on some really cool things coming up, and I'm really looking forward to reopening the registration for Podcaster Society before podcast movement with some great things inside of it that I've, I've really been inspired lately on some really cool stuff that will make Podcaster Society so much more amazing. So I hope that you can join it when registration reopens, and I'll announce that later on when it is available. Find all of this, again, in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash ratings and reviews. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitytopodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.